Hello there, and welcome to the Unfuck Your Biz with Brayden podcast, a show to encourage and empower creative CEOs just like yourself through actionable legal, tax, and financial topics. I'm Brayden Drake, an author, lawyer, tax pro, and educator, but you can just call me Brayden, your gay best friend, here to help you unfuck that biz. If you're ready to dive in, grab a notebook, maybe some coffee, and buckle in to learn how you can implement solid strategies to build a profitable business. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. As always, this is your host, Brayden. And today I am joined by my friend, Parker Stevenson, who is co-owner at Evolve Finance. Now, Parker, we had you, I always say we, collectively we, I had you on the podcast, what, like a year and a half ago? Do we even Something, remember? I, I want to say it was 2020-ish, maybe at the end of the year as we're getting ready for tax season or end of year bookkeeping prep, stuff like yeah. that. You know, I did a finance, I think I did a finance series. I can't even remember, like, what is time nowadays? I can't remember if that was January, 2021 or January, 2020. If it was January, 2020, we recorded in late 2019, in which case, like, we're, I, like, Wait, I don't know what happened last week, dude. I, I don't know what's going on anymore either, but we did. I remember being part of that series and being very honored to uh, get to speak to some of the finance stuff in, in that, because I think we kind of had a dual episode thing going on. So if you haven't, Listen to that. Go back. Look up my name, Parker Stevenson, Braden. Uh-huh. You'll find it. It's, it was a good yeah. episode. We had a great conversation. Yeah, go find it. And Emily, Emily will link it in the show notes for us. So we'll have it in there so they Thanks, can Emily. listen to all the stuff. Emily will also link your podcast in the show notes. So Parker, why don't you tell my audience just a little bit about um, who you are and what your company does and maybe your podcast as well. Yeah. So um, Evolve Finance is a bookkeeping business specifically for online business owners. That's kind of the niche we, we've sort of um, doubled down on. Uh, I, I give all credit to my business partner, Corey, who started the business back in 2010. And um, I, I think in terms of bookkeeping, what makes us different is number one, we know how to do the bookkeeping properly for online businesses. And that's been really key for our service business to grow. Um, And then number two, because we've sort of niched down the online space, we're able to give a little more guidance and advice uh, and coaching around, well, what do I do with my numbers? Because I think a lot of people just go, well, I just do bookkeeping for taxes. And it's like, yeah, but that's only half the story, Um, especially for our clients. They're coming to us when they're starting to cross that, you know, $100,000 mark and beyond. And uh, they're like, oh, okay, I know how to make money now. How do I keep it, right? How do I keep my business profitable? And that's kind of a, an added piece of our service a lot of other bookkeepers don't do, um, but it's something that's been really crucial to our client success uh, for the last 11 years or so that we've been uh, been doing this. And we have a podcast as well. It's called The Bottom Line by Evolve Finance, uh, where we interview current and past clients and just kind of talk about their financial journeys. Uh, it's really a podcast, I think, to just motivate and inspire people to kind of realize, oh, Nobody has this money stuff figured out. Like no one really knows what they're doing when they start their business, (laughs) but every single one of our clients are proof that, you know, if you focus on growing your revenue, there's people out there, there's teams out there. You as a business owner can learn and grow and develop the skill set of managing money because every single client we work with is proof that uh, no matter your background, you can be successful with your money. Nice. I love it. I love the new episodes you've been putting out with all your interviews in particular. For my listeners, if all of you listen, or if any of you listen to the episode I did with my friend, uh, Claire Pelletro, that was a pretty similar format to what it is that Parker's doing over on his podcast. 
Um, so if you liked it, definitely go tune in. I asked, uh, I actually had Clara send me her PL before we started recording and we oh, like, went really? through, yeah, we went through certain line items on her PL, which was really interesting. Um, like at one point we talked about, she was a Facebook ad consultant for years. And we talked about, I asked her, what do you think Claire was the most surprising expense line on your PL? to me. And she said, well, I would guess my marketing because she said, basically everyone expects me to have like a sky high ad budget. So it was interesting to chat about, to chat about that kind of stuff for sure. Well, that was very cool of her to be open to sharing some light items from her PL. Yes. That's really cool. Well, her podcast is called the get paid podcast. And her intro is like, tell me who you are and how you get paid. So she's like, I feel, she's like, I feel like I have to really put myself out there if I'm <laughs> expecting other people to, I was like, fair enough, fair if enough. She wants to keep her street cred around that. Then that yeah. makes sense. So I told her, I was like, when you're ready for me to come on your podcast, I'll send you bank statements, whatever, whatever you want. <laughs> I'm not joking. Yeah. And social security, whatever you need. Yes. Whatever, whatever you need. Okay. So you mentioned, you already kind of started getting into like what it is that your company is passionate about when it comes into bookkeeping. And then it's not just for tax purposes, right? So this is something with my background. I'm a tax attorney. I'm not really an accountant or a bookkeeper. I tell, I've told people, you kind of need the minimum viable solution to get your tax return done, especially as a, like as a newer business owner. But eventually, like my goal is that everyone gets above and beyond that. And Really, like right now, we're recording this in what early March. Um, so at this point, I'm like, all right, you can't do a lot with the data from last year. So let's just like get the books done and then we'll polish it up moving forward. So, well, like with that in mind, uh, I'm not even really leading into a great question here, but with that in mind, like where do you see the value in bookkeeping aside from that like compliance piece? We're opening yeah, up like I'm, a whole can of worms conversation here. No, I mean, it, it, it's a great, it's a great starting question. It's something we could talk a lot about, but um, so let me give everyone some context here. So I, I left kind of a, a cushy management level role at Adidas uh, before I partnered up with Corey. I had no finance background. Well, not no finance background. I had no accounting background. I had kind of a lot of financial aspects to my role at Adidas because I was um, a product manager and merchandiser. And so we're managing inventory and product costs and all this stuff. Um, I didn't really have an accounting background. And when I talked with Corey, Corey had already, I mean, Corey essentially with him and his wife started Evolve Finance when they were in college, like even before 2010, they were just doing bookkeeping and really weren't expecting it to go anywhere. But by the time Corey and I started talking about his business, I was like, man, like bookkeeping is something that you just think about. You just go and find the cheapest bookkeeper you can find and just like do it to do it so you can file your taxes. <laughs> and I just thought from a, just a business opportunity aspect, the more I learned about what they were doing, which is really trying to guide clients, help them understand their numbers, help them understand how they're, you know, to make their businesses more profitable. So as the business owner, they can get more benefit from their business, right? Like, cause if you have profit, um, you can get paid easier. You can stabilize the business um, by building up savings in the business. You can have cash to invest back into the business without having to go into debt. Like it just opens up uh, a whole new realm of possibility in your business um, that if you don't have good bookkeeping to give you the visualization of what's going on in your business financially, you're never really going to get there. Maybe you get lucky. You're like one in a million who gets lucky and your business is just always profitable and you don't have to worry about it. Well, then good for you, but for everybody else, um, there's just this, there's this disconnect between, Hey, I'm a small business owner accountant. Can you do my taxes? And they go, sure. And you go, Hey, accountant, am I spending too much money on 
things in my business, they go, well, that's not my, that's not what I do. Right. And then you go, Hey, bookkeeper, um, you know, organize my financial data for my accountant. And Hey, by the way, since you're organizing it, how does my business look? They go, Oh, that's not what I do. I just send you the reports. You need to figure it out yourself. So that's where I thought Corey, um, and Anna, his wife, were doing something really unique because they were kind of filling in this gap between what a bookkeeper would do and what an accountant would do. Um, and to some degree, maybe what a CFO would do, do, we don't really look at ourselves as CFOs at all because that's a tremendous responsibility, but just that educational piece of like, okay, I know how to sell and market my thing, whatever my offer is, whatever it is I do, but now that I sell it and more money comes in, what do I do after that? And that's where I thought there was this huge potential because it's, it's such a fundamental aspect of being a business owner, of being an entrepreneur is like managing how money goes in and out of your business. Um, but I think a lot of entrepreneurs think it's some complicated thing and it's not because I mean, if I can figure it out, anybody can figure this out. I mean, I talk about it and teach it at this point and I'm not a CFO and I, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't get an MBA in this or anything. Um, but it, it's just, it's hard to know what's going on in your business. It's hard to see how that money's flowing in and out and understand that if the books aren't being done properly, if the books aren't accurate, or if the books just aren't getting done on any you know sort of regular basis. And that's where it's like my mission is to kind of help business owners understand like this is really important to see. It's really important for your business to know where your money's coming from, how you're spending that money and what's left over because that kind of becomes the whole game. Like, like this whole other game you have to learn to play once you figure out the game of how do I make money, which depending on where you're at in your business, that might be the only thing you have to worry about right now. It's just where, how do you generate sales? How's your marketing going to bring more leads? And so you can, you can sell more of your thing, but for our clients, they've kind of already figured that out. They have some sort of consistent revenue. So they realize this importance. Now it's like, okay, I got to make the most of the revenue we're bringing in. And I want to make sure my business is healthy and I'm actually benefiting from my business by being able to pay myself and all the, you know, fun wealth building stuff we like to think mm -hmm. about as entrepreneurs. So this is going to sound super out of left field, but have you ever played roller coaster tycoon? I know the game, but I haven't, I don't think I've played it or I haven't played it in many, many years. So I was obsessed with this game when I was in elementary school, I think in like fifth grade on our, you know, giant like gateway computer at the time. And now I have it on my iPad and this is like the 1997 version. But I remember like when I played this, I don't think I, I think it took me like a year or two to get really good at it. But I found out there's this area where you can click on where you can see revenue, expense, and profit per hour of each ride in your park and all your concession stands. And once like sixth grader me figured out that those little shutter roller coasters make a fuck ton of money because you can put a whole <laughs> bunch of people on them. They only last 20 seconds and they're really profitable. And long story short, like this was, I feel like this was one of my early lessons on actually looking at data and numbers. And when we're talking about bookkeeping, right? Like, obviously, if you had to sit down with a pen and paper and calculate all that math in your own game, you wouldn't get very far. We're really spoiled today, I feel like in modern business that we have all this sophisticated software, we don't have to do like, ledger bookkeeping, like my mom did for my dad, dad's business when I was growing up. But what we're like, I feel like this is what got my wheels turning when you started talking. I'm like, you know what? At the end of the day, like the bookkeeping is gathering and organizing all of the data. And then it's analyzing the data that most bookkeepers and most accountants are not doing. But it's pretty analogous to me to like looking at those roller coaster finances. What do I like? What do I do from here? What am I going to build? What am I going to sell more? What am I going to focus on? 
Well, and though I had, um, it was, it was so interesting. I did, when I was at Adidas, I didn't really think of ever going into finance or anything like that, but I kind of worked with a lot of the people in the finance department and the CFO at the time, who's, uh, his name's Klaus Flock, and he's now the CFO of like Echo America, he was the, uh, or Echo Global, and he was the CFO of Adidas America after he left uh, TaylorMade and Adidas. Was Klaus German? A, oh, very, well, Adidas is a German company. Adi so. Adidas? So Klaus Flock was definitely German and he was a great guy. He kind of took me under his wing. I don't know why, uh, but he took me <laughs> under his wing and he must've seen something I didn't uh, because here I am in finance now. And uh, I did think that was, I thought it was gonna be a sales and marketing person, which I still kind of am. But um, him and, and a couple other finance people, and I, and, and I don't know if this is a normal way to look at it in most corporations, but um, we had some other finance people where it's like, yeah, like we look at the numbers and numbers can be very, cold and um, very black and white. But when you start to understand the story behind the numbers, now you start to understand the story of your business, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yes, you can go, our labor costs are this percentage of our revenue and it's too high. Or you go, oh, well, based on the fact that uh, we had a huge surge of orders this month, you know, um, the labor went up as we build those, but we're going to see a ton of money come in next month as we collect the revenue on that. And so it's going to be okay. Right. So it's like understanding the, the stories that are happening behind the numbers. And especially with your own business, it's like, you know, what you're spending the money on. When you look at those numbers, it's like, this is your business. You're the one spending the money here. You're the one selling these products. You know, what, what that money is coming from and what you had to do to get it. That when you start to see that visualized on a financial report, it just, it provides a clarity that I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they just don't know until, you know, until they're shown how mm -hmm. important that is and how difficult it is to run a business without that clarity. Um, but the, the, the way I kind of look at it is if I gave you a car and there's no dashboard, right? And you don't know that your car is supposed to have a dashboard. You can drive the car, turns on, but you never have any idea how much gas is in it. You don't know if the check oil uh, check oil light is on, the tire pressure gauge, um, how fast you're going, right? You're just like, the car works and you're probably gonna spend a lot of time. Like if you're neurotic like me, I'd be like going to the gas station all the time, terrified mm -hmm. I'm gonna run out of gas on the middle of the road, or you're going to the mechanic way more than you need to because you're worried it's breaking down because you have no idea. The car is giving you zero feedback. Other people will drive that thing into the ground. They'll spend tons of money getting towed. Um, they'll get tons, you know, spend tons of money with repairs and speeding tickets and all that. Um, and if I then all of a sudden go, hey, here's a dashboard in your car, like it literally changes your entire driving experience to go, this is way less stressful. I can make better decisions now. I know, I know um, if I'm how fast I'm going, I know how much gas I have. And that's like what most business owners experience is they're driving a car with no dashboard that when our clients come to us and we go, Hey, here's a, actually a legitimate dashboard. We give them like, as, as well as their P and L like this financial dashboard, they go, Oh, that's what my business has been trying to tell me. Like your business is trying to tell you its story and trying to share with you what's going on. And that story will guide you around what the next decisions are that you need to be need to make but we have to go through the process and this is what you're essentially trying to teach your students Braden. it's like yeah. we have to go through the process of organizing this data and looking at this data 
so that we can actually sort of get that communication from our business. Otherwise, if we're just looking at our bank account and hoping that's going to tell us what's going on in the business, it's just never going to be enough to scale your business to the level I think most people want to scale their businesses to. Yeah, I, I feel like to even expand on your analogy, my sister in high school drove a 1990 Firebird that did not have a functional speedometer. So the car drove, <laughs> not very smart though. It's like a very, <laughs> that would be like your very half-assed approach to bookkeeping. You got, you got some of the data, right? My car has got like all the essentials. So I drive a 2006 Mini Cooper, but my husband's car, he has a new Audi and it's got the navigation. It's got everything. And to me, the navigation is like doing business projections. <laughs> it's yeah. like different, different levels of like how savvy your bookkeeping is, right? So you can get by, you can get by pretty well. You can get pretty, by pretty well with like the 2010 level sophistication. But nowadays without the tool, with all the tools and resources out there, especially if you're going to hire someone like your company, you can get, you know, state of the art uh, data on hand. Well, and, and I'm a big proponent for small business financial data should not be complicated. Yeah. Um, I think that when you get into the, excuse me, the corporate world, you're dealing with highly complex entities, right? So they need full finance departments. They need a CFO. They need financial analysts. They need accountants. They need all these positions um, in order to make sense of the huge amounts of data and the huge amounts of compliance they have to deal with. Like, again, when I was at Adidas, it's a global company. You're dealing with currency conversions. You're dealing with all kinds of complex stuff um, that a small business doesn't have to deal with. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's where um, with small businesses, especially like the clients we serve, they're online business owners. A lot of them are online service providers. They're selling courses or programs or coaching, something along those lines where they don't have any inventory. Uh, they don't have the complexity of like a restaurant or a manufacturing business or a retail business. So um, at the end of the day, there's really only a few metrics they, that are really crucial for them. And the cost of trying to set up your business to get the financial feedback the way a multinational corporation would be is just not going to be cost effective. Mm -hmm. It's going to be more information than you need and it's not going to help you make business decisions. So we're always looking at a balance between how do we give you enough information to keep your business really healthy without overwhelming you with information that really isn't going to help you make more business decisions and we found or better business decisions and we found that the financial services industry as a whole not everyone but as a whole geek out so much on the numbers and wanting to show their and i think business owners in general do this we we, we try to offer too much in our offers to show value when at the end of the day, your customers are just going, I want an end result as quickly and efficiently as possible. And so for us, we're like, what's the point in sending our clients a bunch of reports that make it look like we're doing fancy stuff, but doesn't help them understand anything. But at the same time, we don't want to treat our, our, our clients like children who can't do basic addition and subtraction and look at a basic financial report like right. a PL, right? So there's always this happy medium here that I'm not a big fan of like, complexity for the sake of complexity, but there is this, usually this happy medium of how do we keep things simple and clean and, and running smoothly while also having the visibility we need to make really good decisions and keep our business super profitable. Yeah. On the, on the note of complexity, I do want to chat a little bit about KPIs, but we're going to circle back to that. Um, one of my kind of mantras is that our, like our, uh, systems are only as good as our ability to manage those systems. So like yeah. 
I love to nerd out on building complicated Asana workflows, but then I don't keep up with them. So it's like, what's the point? I think bookkeeping is similar, right? Now, I do want to segue a little bit and talk about your client process because I have some some fun follow-up questions on, about this uh, in uh-huh. particular. Can you give us, first of all, like broad overview of what it looks like? Someone comes to work with your company. What's that process like? Yeah, I mean, we've spent years and years to try to make the process as, as streamlined and smooth as possible because um, I think that there's always a lot of stress um, for business owners who are like, oh, I, got, I know I need to switch my bookkeeper, but it feels so scary, or I need to take the bookkeeping off of my plate and put it into someone else's hands, which might even be scarier because you're taking the leap of faith of someone else looking at your money and seeing what you're doing. Um, so for us, there's um, an onboarding process once you know the client has decided they want to work with us, um, where we have uh, an onboarding call just to get logins, just to set up the QuickBooks online account, to meet our bookkeeping manager, to meet their account manager, um, and just make sure we have everything we need to hit the ground running. Once we have that, it's about an hour call, then the client doesn't have to do a whole lot after that. Then we do the first month's books or we'll like um, catch them up for the year. If we have to do some catch up or redo last year, if they want us to redo last year. And once we're kind of caught up to the most current um, month, then we'll hop on another call, ask the client some questions about some transactions, make sure we've moved around everything to where it needs to be. Make sure the PL looks great. Make sure the account manager and the client are on the same page about um, how things are going to work on a monthly basis. And then they get, a strategic call with, um, as of now, it's myself where we look over the numbers, make the, uh, you know, help the client to understand here's your PL report. Here's what you want to look at. Here are the metrics that we've seen over the last 11 years are going to be key for you keeping your business profitable and healthy. Answer any questions the client has. And then from there, it's, you know, we're very proactive. Um, their account manager is going to be sending them their monthly reports um, each month when the books are done. The only thing the client really has to do is each month we might have transactions where it's like, hey, client, um, we saw these transactions. We're not really sure what they're for. Can you just put a note in this Google sheet um, next to the transaction about what it was for? The client mm-hmm. puts the note there. We move it to the proper place. And then the account manager can send off the reports and uh, nice. dashboard to the client. And then from there, we have um, essentially uh, two calls group calls per week where clients can come talk to me or my business partner if they have more questions about analyzing their their business. Otherwise, they have an account manager they can ask questions to via email. They want something moved around, have questions about the books because that's the big piece. Like the big piece that was really important for us when we built out our service was that we heard from our clients that other bookkeepers, they're not responsive. It takes them forever to uh, answer questions uh, if they even answer emails about questions and stuff like that. So we have um, a bookkeeper and an account manager on every file to make sure there's someone focused on entering the data and then fo- and then an account manager who's focused on analyzing, monitoring, and then delivering the data to the client and providing customer service. And then the other thing we mentioned was that um, even if the client has a, a, a question, a lot of their times their past bookkeeper wouldn't know how to answer it, doesn't really have any insights into their business model, can't really... Um, can't really deliver on some of the maybe financial education that most business owners are hoping someone can help them with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where, again, our, our client learning center, our group calls, the account managers, we have this support system that um, you know our clients can f- rest assured that if something comes up for them, they have a team of people who can get them the answer they're looking for. How much uh, bookkeeping cleanup do your typical clients need? And if they do need a lot of cleanup, do you go and like fix everything in QuickBooks or do you just like delete, delete the account and start over? Cause I almost feel like that would be easier. It is. And that's sometimes what we have to do. Cause unfortunately 
bookkeeping. There's no stand. There's no real standardized way of doing things. We kind of feel like there's some basics that should be there that every bookkeeper should be doing. But unfortunately, um, to kind of use a car reference here, if you go to your mechanic, if you don't know anything about how your engine works or how the inside of your car works, you kind of just have to trust your mechanic that if they go, yeah, this is broken and we need to replace it. You go, okay. That's why mechanics take advantage of people so much because yeah. you don't know, like, when, why would you know, you know how to drive the car, but how, why would you know the inner workings of everything and how to repair it? So bookkeeping can be a little bit like that too, um, because bookkeepers, and they're not always for their own fault. Sometimes it's just, you know, anyone can kind of be a bookkeeper. And if they don't have enough experience, they just don't know what they don't know. Um, but they can kind of be doing things behind the scenes that if you don't know how to do bookkeeping yourself, why would you know that they're doing something wrong? Like to go back and check their work is really difficult. Um, so that's why I think it's so important that, you know, who you choose to work with. And obviously I'm biased. I run a bookkeeping company. <laughs> I understand that. Um, but that's why we have two people on each, um, on each of our clients files. So there's checks and balances and we have transparency around if a client wants us to explain how we're doing something, we can show them exactly what we're doing to do those things because it's so easy to hire someone that just kind of like, sort of gets it done, but isn't really getting it done. Not right. very proactive. Yeah. Yeah. When, and so absolutely... when I asked the question, I was more thinking that people were coming to you after doing their own books and kind of like half doing it, half not doing it. But is it more common that you're having people come to you from a different bookkeeper? That's what well, and that's like. so I guess that the reason I explained everything they just said is because um, you get into someone's books where the other bookkeeper has been doing it. And it's like, it's like there's missing transactions. There's duplicate transactions. There's weird transfers and journal entries that make no sense to us that you're 100% right. We go, we got to redo this. Like mm -hmm. there's, there's no way for it. It's going to take us longer to go back and try to fix what the previous bookkeeper was doing than for us to just redo it from start. Otherwise, if the bookkeeper does a decent job, then we can do just a cleanup where it's like, hey, everything looks like it's reconciled. Um, the data is all there. Now we just have to kind of move, remove it around kind of the, the evolved finance way that we would only charge a cleanup fee to do that. But mo the majority of the time, and, and we're not interested in redoing people's books to, to charge more money. We charge a, um, a, a pretty significant discount to do back work in order to get a client up and going nice. with us. Um, but um, at the end of the day, it's, it's like, I, I feel like it'd be like computer program. Like if you inherit software that another programmer programmed and you go into the code and are trying to make sense of what the hell's going on, there's probably just this desire to go, I'm just going to recode this because this is just a hot mess. And bookkeeping's a little bit like yeah. that. Um, because again, we've seen some bookkeepers do some pretty wacky things with their clients' uh, books before they come to us. Yeah, to me, to me, it's a lot like organizing. So if you're doing a, like a light cleanup, like the analogy I would give for this is like, if you hired me to like help organize and maybe like come like cook for you, cause I love to cook, right? Your kitchen might be perfectly organized, but like the stuff's not where I want it to be, to be doing the ongoing work for you moving forward. So I'm going to have it make sense for me cause I'm going to be the one doing the work. So sometimes it's like your books might be like, fine, but there's different ways to categorize things. Totally. That kind of stuff. And that we're all about, but when you go into the kitchen, it's like, you don't have olive oil. Why don't you have <laughs> olive oil? Where's the butter? You don't no have salt. any, yeah. you don't have any flour or salt or pepper or, <laughs> or like, that's the stuff where we're like, like, what are you paying this person for? Right. And uh -huh. again, I think depending on where you're at in your business, you kind of go through this um, for most businesses, unless you grow very quickly, you probably start off doing your books yourself. Um, we usually recommend, and hopefully this doesn't um, go against what you would recommend, Brady, but we usually recommend people 
like as a business owner, do it in a spreadsheet. And I think mm-hmm. you have a spreadsheet that you have in, in your um, your program for your your, your students. But I it's sure like, do. do this, yeah, do it in a spreadsheet first because for you as a business owner to learn how to use QuickBooks online or Zero, you're going to do more damage than than help. Like it's and it's not a good use of your time as a business owner. But once you no longer have time to manage that spreadsheet, then hire a bookkeeper, but just know you might hire a bookkeeper depending on what your budget is. That's just going to be like, okay to begin with. But the goal is as our businesses grow, we make more money. You know, we want to kind of upgrade everything. You know, the first social media manager you hire might not be the best, but one day you might be able to hire a full-time social media manager that's on your team and absolutely crushes it. So that's like, one of the benefits of your business growing is you can start to bring on more talented people, more specialized people uh, to do a better job of the work. Um, and in the early stages of your business anyways, as long as they're doing an okay enough job, you know, your bookkeeper, uh, at the end of the day, your numbers are probably going to be telling you to just go make more money anyways. It's a matter of just making more sales. Um, but then eventually it gets to a point where it's like, okay, now my expenses actually matter a little more um, because my business is big enough that there's the potential for enough profit for you to maybe quit your full-time job or quit your part-time job and start to become your full-time income or to start to pay yourself, you know, maybe you're making um, only, you know, just the bare minimum from your business to be able to pay your bills. And now it's like, if we're smart about how you're tracking your profitability and you're paying attention to your numbers, now you can actually start to increase your quality of life and pay yourself a fairer salary, right? Like these are the things like kind of the progression we like to see small business owners go to or go through. Um, And again, it's so much easier to kind of figure out when you're in a certain phase in your business, when someone's actually tracking what's going on. Yes. I have a lot of opinions about these spaces. My, uh, my audience, you all can DM me if you have questions. I'll tell you when you should use a spreadsheet versus pretty much, pretty much just did it. <laughs> pretty much. I'd just be repeating what you said um, with some more specific content uh, context for some people. So I want to talk um, more about your client, a little bit more about your client process. I think this is a, a fun question outside of the like technical, like we're going to change how something works in QuickBooks. Aside from that, we're getting back into the financial analysis, looking at the data, looking at how people can improve their businesses. With the type of clients you work with, where do you see for most of them that their biggest opportunities lie based on what they might not be seeing in the numbers before they work with you? Oh boy, that is a... Biggest areas of improvement. Worst. Like are they yeah. severely mismanaging like ad budgets? Is it more... They should be hiring and they don't realize they can afford to hire or are most of them overspending? Just giving you a few options. So three things. The first two are going to be very fast. Um, From an expense standpoint, the only things we've ever seen break a business is labor costs and advertising costs. And so depending on your business model, you may never spend that much on advertising. You don't have to worry about it. You have organic traffic, referrals, whatever it may be. Great. But for some of our clients, they do spend a lot on ads. And if they don't learn how to kind of play the game of advertising properly, um, they can grow their revenue with those ads, but have no money left over. So it looks mm-hmm. good from the top of their PL, their profit and loss statement, but you get down to the bottom and look at their profit and you're like, that does not look great. Um, labor costs is the more common one. And, and it really is a universal across any business model. As your revenue increases, you need more team members to kind of support, but there's this delicate dance that you have to play, which is like revenue goes up 
And yes, we want more support, but we don't obviously want your expenses to be going up at the same rate, your labor costs to be going up at the same rate as your revenue. Otherwise, you're never going to make a profit. So a lot of the times our clients, we've seen especially larger clients where they've grown very quickly, they hire too fast, they have this new bigger business with higher revenues, but their profit looks worse than it was when they were a smaller business because they just hired too quickly instead of looking at the systems, their processes, and trying to make the internal operations of their business as efficient as possible before hiring people. So instead of hiring three people to do something one person can do with better software and better systems, that's the kind of stuff we see clients from a labor standpoint kind of go, oh, I can't just hire away all my problems. We actually have to sit down, look at how I'm operating my business, look at our systems and processes and go, we need to find better ways to do it. So that's like the expense stuff I think most people are curious about because it's very rare like software is going to break your business or like investing in coaching. We've definitely seen like clients spend a lot on coaching and it's a bigger deal when your business is smaller. Like if your business makes $40,000 a year and you spend $10,000 on the coaching program, that's a big investment. I've, I've done that. I've done that. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and many of our clients have too. And that coaching investment can be one of the best things they ever do for their businesses. But as you kind of get to that six figure and beyond mark, it's rare that any other expense outside of advertising and labor is going to make or break them. But the thing that I think our clients get surprised about the most when we sit down and have conversations is how much their the way they, they position and package their offer has huge implications for the rest of their, their business's expenses. Um, because sometimes when we're talking about those operational efficiencies with labor costs, sometimes it has to do with the way you package your offer. So uh, for instance, like as a bookkeeping firm, we had to figure out how do we charge the appropriate price for us to deliver the quality of service we want for our clients without having to price it so high that no one wants to work with us, uh, but while also make sure we're maintaining the quality of work we want to make, we want to maintain for the clients and be able to maintain that quality as we scale. So we're always kind of figuring out what percentage of our revenue we generate needs to go to the team that's managing the books as well as the team yeah. that's working behind the scenes. And that's something that we've spent a lot of time figuring out processes and systems to make that as efficient as possible. And that's something with our clients where it's like, oh, I got 15 things I sell. And it's like, oh, that's why you're not making any money because like one of the common, like one of, if there's a universal truth we've seen from looking at so many P&Ls over the years is that it is better for your revenue growth and your profitability to get better at selling more of less things. And what I yeah. mean by that is like, the more you can have one main offer, you can grow your business around the simpler your operations are, which means it usually makes your business less expensive to run and makes your marketing and sales more efficient, more clear, more focused. And that's something just looking at the revenue stream. Like if you just show me the top of someone's P and L, I can almost predict what the bottom expenses are going to look like just based on how many things they're trying to sell. But then you get into things like, what are you charging for your offer? How much support are you providing for your offer, right? These are the things that if the thing we're selling is fundamentally not priced right, or we're not balancing the support we deliver in that offer with the price appropriately, it can have huge effects on how much we spend in the rest of the business and what the profitability ends up look ultimately looking like. So the more clear clients are on what are our main offers, what's our customer journey, what are we charging for it, and how much sort of uh, support do we provide the customers in that offer, the more they get that clear and they get that right, the easier the rest of the, the sort of expenses become after that. Yeah, does, I've does actually, that make sense? 
Yeah, it does. It makes a lot of sense because I'm actually, that's something I've been dealing with recently. As you know, I launched a membership last year and we just, I haven't talked to you about this yet, but we just did kind of introduced a new offer, but what we decided to do was make our existing membership, our higher level tier, like our VIP tier. And we raised the price of it. And then we introduced our, a lower price point, like a lower entry point that has no support. It's just the content. But then people can, you know, choose to upgrade or like book one-on-one with me, or they go through and they DIY as much as they want until they get to module five, which is bookkeeping. And then they hire you, right? <laughs> so that's I the way it'll like- work. Because I'm, I'm hoping this will make it more scalable while offering different, um, different options. But yeah, if we just did, you know, like the one level, it's going to come to a point where we're going to need to up the price to $300 a month, or we're going to have to strip away the... Uh, like the higher touch services that we're doing inside the program. So a lot of your audience, Brayden, are like wedding planners, photographers, right? Like a lot of like kind of service providers, right? Yeah, I would say um, we're like probably 30 to 40% wedding industry and then like 30% other service-based creatives. And then we have probably like 30% online business owners and a lot of, you know, like coaches who are doing either one-on-one or group stuff. Got it. So Let's do a couple examples here because I want to kind of make this clear about what I'm talking about because I think it's so important. So if let, let's say you're a photographer and you charge, I don't know, what, what would be a typical wedding? Let's say for session? a wedding photographer, anywhere from no one should be, listen, everybody, none of you should be charging less than $2,000, probably regardless of your market. Um, here in Southern California, like three to 4,000 is pretty standard. And then it, go, it can go up to like 8,000 8, for uh, someone totally. who's more established. So let's say you charge 4,000 and you're like, I want to just over deliver for them. And you're like, I show up as the main photographer. I hire four other photographers. We do this amazing (laughs) editing process. The customers are super stoked. They spread the word about your photography because it's so amazing. But at $4,000 after you pay everybody else on the team to do all this amazing work, there's nothing left over. Like that's an example of like, over delivering for the char- price you're charging. So you either have to charge more and charge more like eight to 10,000 to match the experience and the level of service you're providing with the price. Yeah. Or you go, hey, maybe like me and an assistant showing up and having some like quick at be more efficient with our editing and how we deliver the pictures to the uh, the customer. We just, let's simplify that a little bit. So of that $4,000, I'm actually keeping a lot more of it. And that's that balance between the price and the level of service I keep talking about. For instance, a lot of our clients do coaching programs. So it's like, um, so what did I ask the client? I'm like, what are you charging for this program? It's like, it's like $2,000. I go, okay, $2,000 is something you can build the business around. And I go, well, how long does the program last? And they're like, it's 12 months. I'm like, <laughs> Oh, okay. Uh, how much support do they get? Well, they get five one-on-one calls and then we have these other things, other group calls. And then we do this live event and this retreat. And it's like, okay, cool. Sounds like you really care about your customer having an experience. You probably need to be charging more like six to $10,000 for this, or you need to go, let's take a step back with the amount of one-on-one calls. How do we build the offer in a way that we can sell this for $2,000, but it's not costing you an arm and a leg for other coaches and live events and all this stuff um, in order to deliver for your customers. And that's where getting back to, do you really understand the solution you're trying to deliver for a problem your customer has? And are you building your business or building your offer in a way that you're delivering that solution as quickly and as efficiently and effectively 
as we can, right? And there's yes. a balance depending on who your customer is. Some of them might, you know, if you're selling a business program, your students might need a ton of support. If you're selling a course on playing piano, they might just need the video content and that's it. And then leave them alone. They don't need a bunch of one-on-one -on -one attention, right? And that's where understanding your customer and understanding how to package your offer for your specific customer it's everything. It affects everything else on the PNL. And we've had clients who build multi seven figure businesses who go, Oh crap. Like we need to completely rethink our offer. Like it worked up to a certain point until it didn't. And mm -hmm. then once it did it, they realized, Oh, there's been a bunch of holes. We've kind of had to patch here um, because we didn't price this properly. We didn't package it properly. And now we can't afford to continue delivering this offer in this way. So that's kind of what I'm talking about where I don't expect any new business owner to just come out and, perfectly package their offer, but I think it's so important for your finances to be analyzing and reflecting on, is this still working? Are, have we found that balance between the price and the way we deliver on the offer? And looking at your numbers each month is one of the best ways to get the feedback you need to see if that's actually working. Because if your business isn't very profitable, chances are your, the way you're packaging your offer could very well be one of the biggest issues in your business. Yeah, that, that's huge. And especially for the service providers, I think you were spot on it, the people, a lot of people, they want to deliver an $8,000 service, but charge 4,000 for it. Exactly. And it's like, you either have to edit your service or you got to change your price point. But in that, in that particular example, if you're talking about changing from a 4,000 to an $8,000 price point, well, now you're going after a whole new client, a whole new type of wedding. Yes. You're exactly. going to need like different work product to show updated portfolio. It's not, you know, that easy. So it's a big decision, right? Parker, there were a few other avenues I thought about going in, but I think I'm just going to tell people um, so that we can start to wrap up here to go listen to your podcast. For example, one of the questions was, how do you really start to get your clients interested in actually engaging with the data? And I feel like that's something that uh, you probably unravel pretty well on your recent episodes. Yeah. Well, we, we, we do a little bit in the interviews. Um, but I think the better thing is if you go to evolvefinance.com, we have a free audio course. That's like essentially just a private podcast. You can download nice. on your phone to iTunes. It's called the uh, Financial Foundations Audio Course. And it goes into a lot of detail about um, some of the stuff, you know, likely you're covering as well, Brady, but going into a little more into um, some of this kind of like the metrics and the things we see specifically for online businesses. So especially if you are running an online business of some sort, I think that would be a really great supplemental um, information for anyone who's been following, you know, what, what Braden's doing. Cause I think a lot of what you do with your customers, uh, and your, your students, Braden is setting up that foundation, like the true foundation of like, do you have the business entity yet? How are you tracking your numbers? Like, do we kind of understand like how, how we're setting up bank accounts and all that kind of stuff? So, uh, that might be a good place to, to start for people as well. But the, the, the main podcast though, uh, again, I think it's just so important for people to see, um, no matter what your background is, there's people that are figuring this out. You can figure it out too, yeah. right? None of our clients are like special. I mean, they're all special little snowflakes. We love all of our clients and they're <laughs> amazing and they've done the work to get to where they are. Um, but I think as entrepreneurs, it's just so easy to compare yourself to other people and think someone else has some secret you don't have, or they're doing something that you just like, there's some magic trick that you just haven't learned yet. And at the end of the day, it's just like learning growth, being willing to problem solve, being willing to learn and understand new things. And uh, everyone listening to this right now is 100% capable of uh, understanding how 
the money side of their business is working because it doesn't have to be as complicated as you think it is. Agreed. Agreed. So if any of you feel like you're ready to outsource your books and you want to connect with Parker at Evolve, we'll put all the contact information in the show notes. If you don't think you're quite there yet, you can still always inquire, right? Like Parker, your team will talk to them. Um, but if you're a newer business owner, you're like loving the spreadsheet thing. I, my program is really designed to get you to the point where you are ready to outsource this. So exactly. start there. Okay, Parker, final question. Um, my Facebook group is called Braden's Besties. So my audience knows if they want to be one of my besties, they should just go join my Facebook group. We link it everywhere. But if someone wants to be besties with you or your company, get connected with you, what's the best place to do that? Instagram? Yeah, yeah we have uh, our Instagram account where we share the latest podcast episodes. I will admit our social media is uh, not the best, but we do have a great, uh, we've up our Instagram uh, game quite a bit. Um, so that's a great place to kind of keep just in the loop with like, again, some of the client stories we're going through. Um, and then we also have a Facebook group as well, where it's, it's just a great place. If you have questions and just community, probably similar to kind of what, um, what's going on with you, you guys, nice. Brayden, but, uh, but more focused around people who are having questions about the podcast, or if they went through the financial foundations, audio course and have some questions there, um, just evolve, type in evolve finance in uh, Facebook and you'll find us. Nice. I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to go join. I'm going to be your newest member. I thought you, you I, I wouldn't be surprised if you're already in it and you just don't remember, Brayden. Yeah, maybe. If not, if not, you're like, I'll just make you the admin right now and you can just answer every, everyone's questions. Okay, okay. perfect. Perfect. You can, <laughs> well, now they have Facebook does group excerpt, group, group experts as like a designation. That's fun. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Parker, for coming on the podcast. This was super fun. And thank you, of course, to all of you who tuned in. If you love the podcast, share it with your friends, leave a positive review. If you didn't like it, leave a negative review. Either way, totally fine. Let people know what's up. The good, the good people will come into the podcast. Parker, do you like my conclusion? Am I killing it? I, I just feel like if someone leaves a negative comment on this particular episode, it's really going to hurt my feelings. So just take that into consideration at least. Yeah. Yeah. Take that and just, just, uh, you can bad mouth me. That's, that's fine. I won't, <laughs> and I won't sue anyone for libel, libel either. It's fine. Okay. But thank you everyone. I'll be back in your podcast app next week and I wish you the best. Hey there, before you go, I wanted to give a quick thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. If you loved it, I would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode or snap a quick selfie while you are listening. Share it on social and give me a tag. It'll help other kick-ass entrepreneurs like yourself find the show. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Meanwhile, let's roll up our sleeves and unfuck that biz.